Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on this very special mini-sode of Ducks Watch Together, we talk about the master. Woo! All right, here it is. Kylie, we've done it. It is time for our annual tradition of minisodes over the holidays. Yeah. What's the uh what's the theme this year, Kylie? Um best of the decade. Best of the decade. We've done it. We've come to the end of the 2010s. And so well, okay. Do you know this theory? Sorry, this is a tangent. Do you know this theory that like the decade actually ends with the zero year, not starts with the zero year? That makes sense. Yeah. I don't understand it in my brain, but apparently that somehow that works. Okay, here I'll explain it. Okay. So let's say it's the first year. Uh-huh. Where are we gonna name the year? One. One, okay? Uh huh. What year is it after ten years? Uh ten. Yeah. Okay. So it ends on the zero year. I guess that is fair, yes. However, that's not how my brain works. Or other brain works, but some brain works. So we're going to do it this way. Friends, we're here today to talk about the best films of the 2010s, and how did we come across this list? Uh, so, over the course of um, about um, two weeks or so, I gathered up some lists, and these lists were the best of the decade lists, and I put together a master list featuring, I think it's 140 films uh, that would be considered to be the best of the decade. And that being said, that was 160 films. That list is on Letterboxd, and it is titled Best Films of the 2010s, if you want to find it there. Uh, we then decided to talk about the top 10 plus R2 picks. However, some of the top 10, we actually have episodes about already. So we decided to not talk about those ones because we already have episodes about those. Those episodes uh, you can go back and find would be Get Out, um, Inside Lewin Davis, um, Into the Spider-Verse. Those are the ones that we already have episodes on uh, there. How, what I pulled together for this list are, um, you know what? I'm not going to spend time reading them, but you can go find them themselves. They're there. Kylie and I each put in a list and then I pulled in 20 other people's lists from all over the internet, from all over sources and things along those lines, places that I trust, places that I like, places that, that are, are well respected. So we, we kind of found a list. And IMDb. So, you know, all of those places and IMDb. All right. So that brings us today to Paul Thomas Anderson's 2012 film, The Master, which sits at number five on the list. Um, Night one. Night one. <laughs> the Master. Okay. So... I feel like with a lot of these films, uh, there is a lot of discussion about them in general. I'm not sure what new or takes that things that we're necessarily going to be able to bring to them. We, we will try. We will super try. But one of the, the frames that I was looking at when I was watching these films a little bit is why 
this film? What is its importance to the decade, and why would it be considered to be one of the greatest? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and Kylie's answer was nothing. Nope, that means absolutely nothing. Um, my thought is twofold. One. I don't think that you could make a proper best of the 2010s list without putting at least a Paul Thomas Anderson film on here. I think between this and Inherent Vice and Phantom Thread, he's had a pretty, pretty solid decade to follow up from a really solid decade before that. And a really just solid career. Yes. Paul Thomas Anderson. Are you saying that he's a good director? Good, good director. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think that's be. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Kylie's hot take hates Paul Thomas Anderson except for Phantom Thread. Uh, I think there's others that I like. <laughs> um. So one, I think it's good to have Paul Thomas Anderson in here to talk about him and his filmmaking. Two, I think so. the The premise of this film is that um, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Lancaster Dodd. A uh, science, not a Scientologist, a cult leader who's basically Scientology. Um, and he tries to recruit Joaquin Phoenix. And he joins his cult for a little bit. That's pretty much the premise and plot of this movie. All right, so that's kind of some, some table setting there. I think that uh, the, the influence of, and the realization maybe, of what Scientology is and uh, things along those lines I think could be really important to this decade as well. Um, Going Clear, which is a documentary that is strictly about Scientology, also comes out in this year. Um, but those might be my kind of initial thoughts as to why... I mean, also then it is... It was a very highly reviewed film. It was well regarded, well respected when it came out. Those, I think, are my thoughts as to why maybe... The Master continues to pop up as one of the best of the decade. Um, it's also kind of one of the last performances by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. It's one of his last big performances because mm -hmm. we... He, as an actor, is not someone who necessarily household names might right. know. They might recognize him as like, oh, the guy who's in everything. And... But I think within the film community, there is a lot of love and respect for Philip Seymour Hoffman, even before his death. Yes. And so I think that that's another reason why it, it's here, as to be like, well, this is this is probably one of the best performances by an actor who, in his time, didn't get the recognition he deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, alright. I think also, like, it's a... It's a showcase for Joaquin Phoenix kind of building his career up again. Because right. like, there was that weird time where he stopped acting and there and was a fog a, in his hair. and Did there, a fake documentary. Yeah, so yeah. like I think maybe like also Joaquin Phoenix is starting to get the um, recognition that we kind of have for him now. Yes. What are your thoughts on the master, the film as a whole? Oh, it's weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think it's actually, I think that it's very engaging once he gets on the ship. Mm -hmm. But like the build up to that, we're trying to just watching this man's life kind of 
make bad choices, fall apart, like get out of all of these incidents. Mm-hmm. And then once we get onto the ship, that's when it starts to pick up more because we have the relationship between uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix, right? Which is I find very engaging, and even just like seeing like Amy Adams and everyone else that's on the ship, that's also very enjoyable to watch and then the ending also has that downturn because we're no longer on the ship right i struggle with the master Mm -hmm. i like paul thomas anderson as a director uh, on the whole and then and in fact the more and more i watch of his work and the more and more i watch of them now as a slightly more educated watcher i'm like oh great this i understand why everybody is like Paul Thomas Anderson! Well, so you're just more mature now as yes. well. And I thought that eventually, like with most other PTA films, I'd come around to The Master a little bit more as I've watched it. This is the third time that I've watched it. And I don't... I can't say that I enjoy the experience of watching The Master. Uh, it is clear to to me that, that Paul Thomas Anderson is very specific in what he wants to do he's very methodical he's telling the story he wants to tell but it seems like he's more engaged with the conversation about these are the tricks and ways that Scientology and cults trick people into becoming a part of them rather than telling the story of his characters and I'm not necessarily saying that's a complete bad thing because I think that it's good that we have this out here in some form of quote-unquote populist entertainment to see what's out there. I just... The film works for me when Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix are in a room talking to each other and engaging and engaging with each other. When we bog down into some of the other politics of, of the cult and other dealings with characters and while i enjoy amy adams's performance i'm not sure i am on board with where she's what she serves in the narrative plot line it just gets a little messy for me you know i like the individual pieces but it never comes together as a satisfying whole how do you rate rate rank pta's films of the teens um, so Master is the bottom one for me. Okay. Um, and then Inherent Vice and Phantom Thread. I really, I think I have an, a unique love for Inherent Vice. I, I think that it might be considered his worst of the decade usually, but I like... I actually prefer that Joaquin Phoenix performance because I think there's a lot of layers and depth to it where there are layers and depths to the master performance. I'm not saying there's not, but I think we get to experience more sides of him, of that character in Inherent Vice. I prefer the noir elements, the mystery elements. Like That's just my personal preference and taste. And then Phantom Thread is this magnificently crafted piece of storytelling and looking at how people magnificently craft their art and how that affects their relationships and their lives. And I think that's also great. I think if I think it's, it's very close, but I think it's Phantom Thread, Inherent Vice, The Master. Um, yeah. Also, PT, I also think PTA just deals with 
um, harder subjects for us to deal with necessarily. Mm-hmm. Because Phantom Thread is not like a full blown love story. Oh no, it's not. Yeah. But like then you're also like, oh, this is a love story. <laughs> Yeah, but then again, my favorite part of that whole movie is Cyril, and she's just terrifying at times. Do you own the Phantom Thread? I do. It's in the drama down here Yeah, why isn't it in the rom-com? Well, okay. (laughs) It's not the healthiest of romantic relationships. (laughs) Sorry, should it be in the family films? Is that where the Phantom Thread belongs? No. (laughs) Uh, what, What is your rank of them? Uh, probably the same. Yeah. Well, because Phantom Thread's a masterpiece. Greatest film ever made. <laughs> Kylie's favorite film of the year it was released. 2017. There it is. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, The Master itself is kind of... The mas- The film The Master... I This is my first time watching it, uh-huh. so I didn't understand things. <laughs> I understood what we were saying about cults and everything. I got that. Uh, I agree that the best scene is where they're just sitting in a room and he's like, don't blink. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and like, what's so engaging about that is that you're just like, why is Joaquin Phoenix going through this? And then at the end, he's like, I feel so much better. And you're like, what the? <laughs> do you do? And then you watch that scene again and you're like, okay, I got to figure out when he starts to feel better. <laughs> you never see it. The one that, like, just gets me so engrossed is the one where he has to walk back and forth to the wall, mm-hmm. and I'm like, is he gonna do it? Is he gonna punch the wall? Like, I kind of wanted to punch the wall at this point, but, yeah. Um, oh, there was something else about- The Master is is gorgeously shot. There are some scenes in a desert where they're on a motorcycle that is just, like, that's just beautiful to look at and to watch. Um, yeah, it's- Let's say nod to a demi film. To which demi film? Harold and the Purple Crayon. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know that child's book, Harold and the Purple Crayon. That's the one about the guy who thinks that Howard Hawks gave him money. I don't know what this film is. Josh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I Demi is a blind spot for me in so so many ways. I'm getting there. Melvin and Howard. Oh, okay. Great. Perfect. You should see this film, Josh. Okay. You'd probably like it. I probably would. You would probably like most of Demi's beginning after he's done making bad films. Yeah. That's probably a true story. But he makes lots of comedies. What? He makes lots of comedies. Oh, yeah. You know, the funny boy who made Silence of the Lambs and Philadelphia. Well, you can't just blame somebody's, like, success. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the funny boy. Like, Jay Roach. <laughs> no, he tried. Jay Roach really tried, everybody. Um, okay. The Master. I don't know if I have... Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish that I did have a stronger connection to this film. It's the one of PTAs that I just just can't. So, yeah. Uh, I I guess in some ways I, I understand why it's here. 
Oh, um... <coughs> I stole it up from my brain to think about the point that I wanted to say. Um... The script itself started as based on L. Ron Hubbard. Um, but because of, like, Scientology's grasps and claws into the world, um, it very quickly changed into a fictitious uh, cult leader. Mm -hmm. um, and But there are still a lot of underpinnings and a lot of, like, similarities and a lot of, like, basically this is... Their, their goal was to show as an honest, close truth to Scientology as they possibly could get away with in the Scientology-controlled Hollywood. Um, but I, I think that is an interesting thing, and then that Philip Seymour Hoffman did based his character on L. Ron Hubbard himself. Um, and so I, I know PTA is trying to say some really strong things, and I think that within that, that might be where some of the critical uh, reception around this movie comes in, is that it is... A film that is trying to attack a very dangerous and harmful part of our society and so therefore we should be diving deeper into it but at the same point i think it just has to work as a as a, as a narrative as well and i'm not sure it totally does all right josh we're gonna play a game okay what beat the master in 2012 so of 2012 in 2013 okay great um, is the uh, what beat the master in terms of best picture? We're gonna do in everything. Oh, okay, great. Josh, the master is not nominated for best picture, so oh. you've, you're already at negative one points. Yikes! <laughs> Would you like to take a stab <laughs> at its next nomination? Okay. Um, how many does Les Miserables nominated? Yeah, Lemis. <laughs> what beat the the master? Lemis. What beat Amy Adams for supporting actor? Lamez. Congratulations. There you go. Anne Hathaway. Yes. Okay, how many nominations does the master have? Do you know? Oh, this should always be three. Three. Oh, okay. I got I got I got Oh, they're all acting. Yeah, this okay. is super easy. Okay. I thought this was going to no, no, be No, I like this game. I'm such a This is good. Ass. I like this game. Okay. I was hoping it had like 12 nominations. <laughs> three. Okay, so Amy Adams so its nominations are Amy Adams, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, so who we eat okay. Amy Adams? So Amy Adams lost supporting actress to Anne Hathaway. Um, Is it deserved? <laughs> okay, listen. I stumped him, everyone. Listen, I'm going to answer yes, but that's just because though Les Mis is a flawed film, I think Anne Hathaway is really good in that movie. Your other options are Sally Field, who you don't like. In Lincoln. Lincoln. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Helen Hunt in se The Sessions. And Jackie Weaver. A Weaver. Okay, and, anyway, so and, Josh, who yeah. up? Yeah, okay, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Jackie Weaver in Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> yeah, so Anne Hathaway. I think that's a, that's a good good winner there. If I have to pick the notes. Okay. a weird year. Okay, uh... So we're at Silver Linings Playbook here, which means that Jennifer Lawrence wins Best Actress, but that does not matter for Philip Seymour Hoffman or for Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> you okay. know, Jennifer Lawrence was actually an actor, and she beat Rami Malek. Oh, so. okay, great, yeah, great, perfect. That was that was a that was a strange surprise. That was a weird year to see Rami Malek pop up in this. Jesse Clemens, yeah. 
that guy who was like yelling at him that he was a cult. Yeah, <laughs> he's that a was, person. That was going to be my fun game for you, which was: Can you name how many Academy Award winning actors are in the Master, and who are they? One, two, two. Philip Seymour Hoffman because he won for Capote. Uh huh. And Rami Malek. Yep. There you go. We did it, everybody. <laughs> That's 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 the answer to that question. Okay, um, who won? So Philip Seymour Hoffman is supporting, and Joaquin is lead. Uh huh. Okay, who won lead actor of twenty twelve? Um, Les Mis is in this year, and that's not helpful. Though Hugh Jackman is nominated. Um, Bradley Cooper is nominated, but he didn't win. Okay, so I've got three of the nominees, but I don't have the winner yet. Okay, this is not the year of the artist, because that's 2011. Um, so it's not Jean Desjardins. Who won after Jean Desjardins? Okay, I may need some hints at this point. It wasn't Denzel Washington for flight. Okay, great. So it's just the, <laughs> the one that I can't think of is the winner. Um, I already spoiled the movie. Oh, you already did? Or <laughs> earlier in this conversation. Oh, no. And I gracefully sidestepped it without showing my hand. I don't remember what movie it was. Um, Go back to the supporting actresses. Okay, we've got Amy Adams and Jackie Weaver and... Um, Anne Hathaway and shoot, shoot. We like her. We really like her. Sally Field Lincoln. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. I got there. I got there. Okay, so Daniel Day Lewis beats. Is that deserved? Uh, yes, I would give it to Daniel Day Lewis over uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Supporting actor. I may need. So De Niro is in here for Silver Linings Playbook, but doesn't win. Okay. <sighs> There's someone from Lincoln here that doesn't win. Does that help? Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, this guy already has an Oscar, so we don't really need to give him another one. Oh, he, is this one of the Christoph Waltz years? Is this Django? Yeah, okay, yeah, but I was trying oh, to sorry. give you the other sorry. nominee. <laughs> this guy already has an Oscar, Oscar for one of my favorite films. Oh, Alan Arkin. Yeah. But for not for Little Miss Sunshine. Argo. Argo! He already had his Oscar. There it is. Yep. Alright, but we got there to Christoph Waltz and Django. Alright. Oh, I would give it to Philip Seymour Hoffman in a heartbeat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't love, like, I think, oh, both, both interesting movies, but I think I'd give it to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. Yeah. Over De Niro? Yes. Over Tommy Lee Jones? Yes. Over, most of these people have an Oscar already. All no. these people had an Oscar already. Is that true? Volts for Inglorious Bastards. Alan Arkin for Lemon Sunshine. Sunshine. De Niro for... Something. Philip Seymour Hoffman for Capote. Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive. Yeah. There you go. I did it! I was right about something! There you go. All right, friends. That's been our mini conversation on The Master. If you want to join this conversation and any conversation, you can do so at friendorfriendpodcast.scorespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. If it's a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. It's good. Good sounds. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at... DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Ducks Watch Together. Tumblers. Ducks Watch Together. Letterboxd. Darby ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Thank you so much for listening to this mini-sode. Happy holidays from us here at Ducks Watch Together. And we'll see you real soon. Quack, 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 quack. quack. quack.